Bibles to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2 this morning. 2 Peter chapter number 2. Don't worry, the heartburn last service didn't make the sermon get any shorter. So, in case if any of you are concerned about that, it didn't stop anything. And so, and some of you, your hour of sleep you missed last night, you're going to gain it here in just a moment. And so, when I say turn your Bibles, it's like some of your eyes get a little heavy there. And um, we'll see. Second Peter chapter number 2. Let me lay the groundwork here for a second. We've been going through 2 Peter on Sunday mornings. I'll lay the groundwork a little bit, and then we'll dive into some new things today. And um, as we've gone through, Peter has told these Christians the fact that God's given them everything they need to have life and that pertains to life and godliness. God's given you everything you need. And so you have your faith, and you need to add to that faith virtue, knowledge. And we went through all these things that we to add the supplements we need to add to our faith. We've looked at that a few weeks ago. And as we look at that and we think on that, come on in. Come on in. You're good. Oh, Belinda, you're used to coming in late. It's okay. Front, not front row when you're coming in late. Front row. Not second row. We reserve the front row for all the latecomers, the way it works. So we would say that she forgot about time change, but I know for a fact She's never here at 9.30, so she didn't forget. So, but, 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 or you're still on New York time, right? Weren't you in New York? Okay, you're still on New York time. In all reality, she's always been on Belinda time, and that's whatever time it is for Belinda. But I'm glad you're here, so that's a good thing. And Anthony, did you just about? You look like you just woke up. You look how I feel, so I'm, I, I feel you this morning. I forgot what I said now, so I'm going to have to start all over. And we are halfway through the message this morning. No, we weren't that far. As we've looked at Second Peter, we've seen how to grow. And then as we see how to grow, Peter makes the statement that I'm going to keep teaching you these things and reminding these, of you of these things as long as I have life. And then he goes into the fact, hey, what I'm telling you is not fake. It's real. It comes from the Word of God. And I was there when Jesus was living, and I saw him, Peter said. And the Old Testament prophecies, they're true. I saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw him for who he truly And God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. The Bible's true. The scriptures, they're not of any private interpretation. The holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You can trust the Bible. You can trust, and what he's saying is you can trust what I'm saying because it comes from God's word. Look at chapter 2, verse number 1. But there's a contrast here. Just as there are true teachers and true biblical teachers, there are also, look what it says there, but there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring them upon themselves swift destruction. For many shall follow their pernicious ways. What a word, pernicious, right? How many of you off the top of your head can tell me what pernicious means? I'll tell you in a few minutes. You'll know what it means in a few minutes, okay? But you look there, it says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even spoken of. And through covetousness 
Shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not? We're going to take a few minutes today and look at false teachers today. How to identify them? What are some character traits of them? Let's have a word of prayer. We'll dive into the message today. Father in heaven, we're grateful for the time that we have to be in your word. I pray that you'd help us today and guide us. We need you, and we thank you for your word, and thank you for the truth that comes from your word. Help today, as we look at this passage, to identify some things to help us move forward for you. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, you remember in the Bible, back when it was written, there were no chapters and verses, okay? So I know it says, you think chapter 2, we're going to something new. No, the word but is there. It's contrasted. There's a contrast here taking place. If you remember what we looked at last week, we saw, remember how Peter mentions the fact that the prophets, they were true. What they said, and then he says, I was an eyewitness of it, and it, where the scriptures come from. Now he's going to say, but back in the Old Testament days, there were false teachers. Not only were there false teachers then, but now there's false teachers now. And then he identifies what they do and the means that they use to get to people. Now, I want you to understand something today. There are multiple types of false teachers. There are some that purposely are out to deceive you and what you think and what you believe. There are some good intended people that just don't know the truth and lead down the wrong path as well. But one thing I know about false teachers is this. I've never heard one get up and say, all right, before I get started today, I want you to know I am a false teacher. And what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try and mess up your thinking, and I'm going to try and lead you down the wrong path. I've never heard a false teacher ever say anything like that. It doesn't happen that way. So what do they do? How does it work? I am so glad that you asked this morning, because if you didn't ask, I wouldn't have a message to preach. Look at verse number one. It says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. As we dive into our notes today, you'll notice there is not a command here. It's more some information and what to look out for in these verses today. As we look at this, what I want you to understand as I dive into the messages, if I were to give you the message in a sentence, it would be, we must beware of false beliefs, because false beliefs lead to bad behavior. And we need to watch out for the methods they use to see who they truly are. That was a long sentence, but you got it. Number one, as we dive into our notes, number one, beware of false beliefs. Beware of their false beliefs. We look back at verse number one, it says, but there were false prophets also among the people. That word but, as I mentioned, shows a contrast between true prophets and, you know, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost in chapter one compared to these false prophets. You'll see the phrase is mentioned, among the people. That's in reference to Israel and the false prophets of their day. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 23, verse 16, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. And so this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of God giving God's words to the people 
warning the people not to listen to the prophets that were speaking from their own heart and not from God. So in the days of Jeremiah in Israel's history, there were false prophets there in those days. The book of Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9 and 10 tells us that this is a rebellious people. Lying children, children that will not hear the law of God, which say to the seers, see not, and look what they, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. This is what the people wanted. The people didn't want to hear the truth. You ever hear that? I think it comes from a movie, you can't handle the truth, you know that? And um, I'm, I don't know where it comes from, but I've heard that phrase, and I picture is that Laker fan, Jack Nicholson or whatever his name. I think of the Lakers there. But you can't handle the truth. In that day, and probably I'm quoting some bad movie. Who even knows? I, I, should, I should, before I give a quote from a movie, I should know what I'm talking about there before I do that. But anyways, they didn't want the truth. Hey, Give us things we, smooth things. Let us hear things we like to hear. We don't want to be convicted in what's right from God. Don't give us the truth. Make us feel good. That's what Israel was saying in Israel's day. So Peter here is reminding us of the fact there were false prophets back then. But we also know, and as we look at the scriptures here, there are false, look at what it says there. It says, even as there shall be false teachers among you. The word among means within them there, and I believe there are still false prophets and false teachers today. Jude verse number 4, and it's not on the screen for some reason, but I'm going to read it to you. Jude verse number 4. It's not far if you want to turn there. And sometimes it's good for you to take your Bibles and turn there, or write in your notes, just write Jude 4. And you say, Jude 4, there's only one chapter in Jude. So it's verse 4 of Jude, and this is what it says in Jude verse number 4. It says... For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now, you say, what in the world does lasciviousness mean? Just hold on. Pernicious, lascivious, they're right down the same road. They're like brother-sister words. You'll see that in a few minutes. But I want you to give me a little cliffhanger to hold on to in a few minutes here. It says... There, it says, so they turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jude there, there are those that have crept in, certain unaware. We see in um, Acts chapter 20, as Paul is getting ready to leave, Acts 20, verse 29 and 30, it says, for this I know, that after my departing, look what it says there, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among the flock, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And what we see, the fact is, we see that there's, in that day, before that time, and even today, there are false prophets and false teachers out there. And you need to be careful because they're there. Anything that God has done, the devil has a cheap substitute that's deceptive. You're going to see it someday in this world with the Antichrist. He's trying to be Christ. He's a cheap substitute. He can never be Christ, but he's the devil's counterfeit. The devil does not like the things of God, so the devil, of course, is going to do these things. Now, so well, we will know when a false prophet comes in amongst us and when we're listening. Will you really? Did you know there were 12 disciples? And those disciples, they were, uh, they were 
guys. Now they had problems and issues, just like all of us. But there was some. They were they were good guys. They had Jesus as their leader, the perfect leader, leading twelve men. And you know there was one called Judas. Did you know the other disciples didn't know that he was the bad one? Lord, is it I? Is it I that's going to deny you? Not deny you, but going to betray you? They didn't know. Because th- at the end of the day, church, I want you to understand something. We all can be fooled. We all can, you can act like you're a great Christian. You can act like you have it all together. And we will never know the truth. So we'll, we'll figure, you might figure it out at some point. But we are easily deceived. We'll see that in a few minutes. But the fact is, God does know, though. And he sees the heart. He knows the heart. But you've got to beware of false beliefs. You've got to understand, they're going to come. They're going to try to sneak in. I've been in churches a long time. And there are going to be those that try to do it. Look at what the Bible says about this. Look at our text. It says, but there are many false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Look at what they do. Who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Now as you look at that there, that word privily, it means to smuggle in by the side and lead others astray, in order to lead others astray. A false prophet or someone who's got something to lead people the wrong way, they're not going to walk in and say, hey, let me tell you about this. No, they'll come up and be like, hey, Bob, let me show you this. And I think, I think you should follow this. I think this is good. They don't ever just come in and blast it to everyone. They smuggle it in the side and pull who they can. That's what it talks about false teachers. That's the way it works. And that's where, you know, at the end of the day, we look at a church and God's blessed us with a great church here. We need to be careful what we look in this place, the doctrine we allow in this place. I am very, very, very picky about who preaches in this church. I'm very picky. You say, well, why? I think Paul told Timothy he was supposed to make sure that the doctrine was in order. That was his job there in um, Ephesus. Doctrine matters. We need the right doctrine here. And that's why I'm teaching you doctrine as well, because we need it from the Word of God. We, doctrine matters today. Why? Because you'll see in a few minutes that many people are deceived. Why? They don't know the truth. And we'll look at that a little deeper here in a few minutes. But you see the fact as we look at our text here, we see that they're going to come in. And this error that comes in and whatever happens, it's not always apparent. It's not wide out right there in the open. The word heresies refers to that which is chosen or selected. And, you know, someone, this is, what, this is what false teachers do oftentimes too. They take some truth, they take some truth, and they mix the garbage in with the truth. They don't give you all the truth. They give you enough truth to make you think that, oh, they, they sound good. That sounds good to me. But then the garbage is in there. That's how they do it. And as I said before, there are some that knowingly are trying to put people away. And then I believe there are just some who don't know any better. And we'll look more at this later on. It says, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. The word damnable means destructive. You are not going to be growing letting this stuff enter in. And God's goal is for us to grow. And so, as we look at this, let's keep on reading what it says there. 
at the end of the verse, it says, even denying the Lord that bought them. Isn't it interesting that it is Peter that used the word deny right there? He know what it was like to deny the Lord, right? Three times. As we look here, it says, and this kind of teaching will often, and you see it often, with salvation. Maybe some good, real good people, but, you know, there's this thing called this, um, in our world today, e- easy believism. This one, two, three, pray after me. A cheap grace. That's, that's damning people to hell. It's true. Why? Because they're not getting the truth. It's more than just praying a prayer. When, if, you, if someone just tells you all you got to do is pray a prayer to go to heaven, there's more to it than that. But it is simple. You have to believe on Jesus. Do you realize that? And nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to pray a prayer. We like people to pray, but sometimes I think we do it for ourselves or for them, and it's not wrong for someone to pray. But we've got to be very careful of these things. I've heard many in our, of our Baptist brethren, this new thing of you have to repent of all your sin before you can get saved. You know what you're doing? And they don't listen to me anyways, but I quit going to their conferences and I don't hang out with them anymore. You say, why? Because you know what? When you say, now that's the thing. Repentance is part of salvation. It's an important part. You're turning from your sin and turning to Christ. That's Bible. But when you have to repent of all your sin, you're putting it on yourself to get yourself to God. And you're cheapening grace and you're making Christ's sacrifice mean nothing. I'd be very careful. But I don't think that some of these folks doing this are out there, I'm going to lead people. To... They just, they have a good heart. But they need the truth of God to fix them in this area. But then there are others on the other hand. I heard someone, I heard a message a while back, this guy got up and he preached. And that message, he's like, I'm going to preach to you and teach you how to reach sinless perfection like myself. Yeah, right? I pulled out the notes. I'm like, this guy isn't sinning. And he lied there, so he sinned right there. But anyways, and he literally went through that he had gotten to the point in his life, he reached sinless perfection. You know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So when he made that statement, it, the red flags went off. Ding, 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 ding. That's a false prophet right there. But there were a lot of people sitting in that auditorium listening to it. But when you know the truth, you can counteract the false with the truth. Problem is, people don't know the truth. Christians don't know the truth today. And it's how we get led astray. There's a lot more I could say there, but for sake of time, we're going to keep moving here today. But you look at the end of verse number one, it says, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And I, this last week, we're finishing up those of you doing the chronological Bible, you've made, you made it through Leviticus and Numbers is just about done. It's, it's, and I, I, I love the Bible. Lord, I love the Bible. It gets a little long in Leviticus and Numbers. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And some of you, if you like all that, that and, and I, I read it, and there's, always, and there's a lot of great stuff in there. But as I was, it talks about swift destruction, that sudden destruction. It reminded me of that, um, as we were reading this last week, of um, Dotham and Korah. I remember how they were s- caused a rebellion. 
And God literally opened up the ground and swallowed them up. Swift destruction. It means a sudden destruction. Now, I don't know that the Lord's going to open a pit and send all of us right now. But in the Bible there, it was a swift destruction for them. And they will have their day. They will, a false teacher will stand before God someday. That's one of the things, when, I, when God called me to pastor, two things scared me to death. Number one, being in front of people. But number two, number two, was I'm going to give an answer to God someday for what I preach from his book. It scares me to preach God's word. And if I ever get too comfortable, I hope I never do. To think that God's book, I get the privilege to preach his word. But it scares me. Because I'm going to give an account to God someday. And so, as we, look, as we look at these false teachers, we see what they do. And as we look there, we see the fact that they, look at the end of verse number one. It says, they privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. I can think of a large church in our nation today. The pastor is a nice guy. Very nice guy. He smiles all the time. His wife smiles all the time. His wife made these statements a couple years ago, and I just want you to hear what she said. Realize that when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. We're doing it for ourselves. And her husband's standing there right next to her. Just nodding away with it. Do good for your own self. Do it because God wants you happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not worshiping him. You're really doing it for yourself. Because that's what makes God happy when you're happy. Amen? And thousands of people. Amen. That doesn't sound like the God of the Bible in those statements right there. Got to be very careful. Beware of false beliefs. I mentioned this last service. I'm going to mention it this service. We, in our church, we sing a wide variety of music today. And I'm going to talk about this at the very end of the message as well. But in there, I want you to understand, some of the doctrine in the churches behind the songs that we sing, their doctrine is terrible. So why would we sing their song? If you want to start judging everyone's doctrine off every song that we sing, we're going to throw out about half your hymn book. All of Bill Gaither's songs are going to go in the trash if you're going to talk about doctrine. He doesn't even believe in eternal security. So are you going to get rid of Bill Gaither's songs? No, I like Bill Gaither's songs. And they're doctrinally correct, his songs. There are some that aren't, but we don't sing those ones. Say, which ones are they? You can come ask me later. Some of the new songs, Bethel puts out a lot of good Christian music. Their doctrine is really bad. Do not get your doctrine. You say, well, why would we sing... We'll get, we can have a whole lesson on music sometime if you want. Hillsong, bad doctrine. There are some great songs they put out to the Lord, but there's a lot of bad doctrine. Be careful where you get your doctrine from. Because what happens is bad doctrine or false beliefs, what do they do to us? It leads to number two. Wrong beliefs lead to wrong behavior. I've heard someone say, you are what you believe. I think that's a good way of wording it. So when you're led down that wrong path, look at what verse number two says. 
It says, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Now, as you notice there, it doesn't say a few, does it? Some. It says many. What did Jesus say in Matthew 24, verse 11 and 12? And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity was, uh, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So we see that many are going to follow these things. And what are they going to follow? That word pernicious, it means sensual, immoral, depraved, and without restraint is what the word means. And so other, other translations and things would say their sensuality or their shameful immorality. You drop down to verse number 10 of this text talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and those things. It says, look at verse number 10, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they. And so as it talks about the walking after the lusts of the, of the flesh, that's what pernicious means as we look at this here. So we spot false teachers by their message and their morals, and false teachers cater to the flesh. You hear, when you look at what Jesus said in his ministry, Jesus never catered to the flesh. But false teachers, they do. Because why? The way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The way, do you see the way there? If you look in the book of Acts, there were people of the way mentioned right comes from john 14 6 jesus christ is the way the truth and the life and where they talk bad about that way and you hear people today talk down jesus and what he stood for even so-called christian circles there's a lot more i could say there these so-called christian preachers and teachers sink into sensuality and they mess up the message of Jesus. You need to beware of them. Because if your beliefs are wrong, your walk's going to be wrong. Which leads to, what are their methods? Number three. We need to beware of their methods. We just need to have our eyes open to these things. What are their methods? Look at verse number three. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So you see, through covetousness with feigned words, first thing I think of, the first method I think of is money. If you send in $20, I'll send you my hanky. My prayer hanky. And we laugh about that. Do you know people do that? They really do. They send money in to get a prayer hanky. You're welcome to take any of my Kleenex out of my office anytime you want for free. People, and you know, not only is it sad that someone would sell a handkerchief for 20 bucks or 100, what's more crazy is that people actually buy them. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. But they're in it for themselves. That's why when it talks about here, the pernicious ways, that fleshly lifestyle, it's because they're in it for themselves and what they can get out of it. Money's a big issue. Covetousness, we see that mentioned right here in our text. Some fancy... 
and million-dollar houses, all these different things. And, you know, there's, I, I was talking about a guy and his wife earlier in the message, but then sometimes people will look at that guy and his wife and be like, they're just using their church. Do you know all the books that they've written? Probably where a lot of their stuff comes from. So I wouldn't be so judgmental on that case there because sometimes people will look at that couple and be like, and I'm judgmental on that couple on some things. But with all the books and everything else, you do make things off of that. And if your books sell well and become bestsellers like some of those have, that could be where part of that comes from. But I will tell you this, if you're in ministry or you're trying to do ministry for money, you're in the wrong business. Most ministry doesn't make money. Man, Food for Life sure has tons of money in the bank, right? Food for Life just scrapes through. But God always provides. I mentioned at last service, we have a Christian school here. That Christian school, I knew the day we got that Christian school going again, that it was going to suck money out of this place. And guess what it's done for seven years, six years? Sucked money out of this place. Uh, People say, well, raise the tuition. Yeah, then no one could pay it. People can't pay what it is now. But why do we have a Christian school to make money? No, there are a lot of churches that do, and they make good money off of it. We have it to be a blessing to the kids and our families and our church. If you get someone in ministry that's all about the money, there's something wrong there, and it shouldn't be that way. I think that's why the, 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 mm, the Levitical priests, I think that's why God said, you don't get a part. I'm your part, and I'll take care of you. And God took care of his people. And that's important. You can look at requirements for pastors and things. But I think money is a big area. I think another one is through deception. Deception. And that word, you look at, and it's another one of those words we don't know. This, you know, It says, through covetousness they shall with feigned words. The word feigned means artificial or fabricated. Literally means fake. Deception. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. That's literally what it's talking about. They're feigned words. It's artificial. They sound good, but they're not. Beware of false beliefs because those false beliefs will lead to wrong living. And beware of the methods they use through money, through deception to come after you. And we read verse number four. The Lord talks about how he judged Sodom, judged these different things. It's not going to be pretty for those that teach falsely the things of God. They're going to answer to God someday. There's a lot more that we'll look at next week as we look at that. But as we think on these things, you'll notice it says in chapter two and chapter three, the word destruction and damnable is used over. That's why it's so important that our churches get back to preaching the Word of God. Not some new doctrine, not some doctrine we've heard, that we've learned, that we've been taught, but the Word of God. I want you to take your Bibles with me to 2, Peter chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to be done here in just a couple minutes. We're almost done. It says in verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quicken... So 2 Timothy 4, 1 who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach your thoughts. Preach the word. 
Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Hey, remember, what did Peter say? These are not some fables I'm giving you. This is the truth. And we look, we look back in Israel's day, and they want the prophets to tell them smooth things that they wanted to hear because this fleshly desire is in there. We're told to watch out for their pernicious ways, that fleshly desire that's there. And peop, this is the thing. If, do you notice that people are not much different back in Old Testament days as we are today? People are all, at the end of the day, it's all the same thing over and over and over again. It really doesn't change much. The devil's tactics are still the same today as they've ever been. The same tactics he used in the Garden of Eden, he still uses today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Still uses those things. But as we look here, it says to preach the word. When it's in season and even when people don't want to hear it. That's what we need today. The biggest problem we have in our churches in America today is we have very little Bible preaching. Must return to Bible preaching. In our Baptist world, you say, why do you mention Baptist? I'm a Baptist. That's why I mention. Not my job to critique others because, and uh, you know, the other night we, I had a funeral, a memorial service here that um, a friend of mine, one of the chaplains did, a Nazarene, Nazarene pastor. And I had someone a while back said, you're friends with a Nazarene? Yeah, I'm friends with a Nazarene. Like, but they don't believe right about salvation. Some don't. The one that was here gave one of the best salvation messages I have ever heard at a funeral. He did an excellent job, all about Jesus Christ. It was excellent. It was great. Not all Nazarenes are the same. Not all Baptists are the same. But our Baptist pastors need to get back to preaching the Bible and stop our opinions and our thoughts and preach what the book says. We would do much better in America today in our churches if we would just preach the book. The book needs to matter. Say, so what's some application? How can I, what can I do with this stuff that you're talking about? Well, number one, just two points. Be careful and cautious. Oh, but they sounded, that, that lady sounded so good, that man sounded so good. Just be careful and cautious. Be careful. That's what 1 John chapter number, verse number 1 says. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. This was a, this is, hey, hey, my beloved, don't believe everything. Oh, it sounds so good. They, they used a Bible. There are a lot of people that can just pick up a Bible and don't know how to use it. Try it. Test it. Prove it whether they're of God. Say, I love this author, but I've had people say, Pastor, what do you think about this author? I don't even know who the author you're talking about. So if you read it, you tell me how good it is after you read it. But you, this is the thing, and I tell people often, Pastor, what do you think of this, and what do you think of that? If you want to know my thoughts on certain things, I'll tell you in that room anytime you want thoughts on certain things. You say, who's a false prophet, different things, different books? I'll, I'll answer those questions for you. But it doesn't say, 
Beloved, believe not every spirit, but go ask your pastor if they're of God or not. Does it say that? No, you need to try them. You need to know your Bible enough to know. And so this is the thing. Let me help you out. This is brilliant. Are you ready? This is brilliant. If you don't know the Bible very well, I wouldn't read any other book but the Bible for a while. You're not going to have to worry about going wrong, right? Just read the Bible. Get to know it. I I hear Christians all the time. I want to know what other religions believe. I'm like, why don't you learn what a Christian believes from the Bible before you start looking at what other religions? Well, I want to be able to witness to them. Make sure you know, make sure you're strong before you get sucked into something else. There's a lot of truth right there. Believe not every spirit. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believe every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. And when you get saved, you're not magically wise in the things of God. That's what discipleship and growing in the Lord is all about. And I would say I still got a long ways to go. But you know, you get a little kid, and I remember um, her parents were just here. When I was dating Caroline, her little sister would go with us in the car. And uh, I would tell her that the windows activated by my voice. And they had, they had older cars and things. She was like 14 or 15. No, she was like six, five or six. So I'd say, window open. And I would just be pressing a little button on the side. And she was like, oh, that is so cool. Can I try it? Go ahead. Window closed. And I just pull the thing up. She loved riding in my car because it had voice-activated windows. The simple believe every word. This is what my Bible says. Oh, that Bible is good. The prudent man looketh well to his going. Is this where I should be? Be careful and cautious. Which leads to point number two and last. Compare everything to the Bible. Scripture. Compare everything to Scripture. When it comes to spiritual things, compare everything to Scripture. You say, well, this person wrote this spiritual book. Compare it to the Bible. We look in the early church and we look at the Bereans and what they did. The Bible tells us in Acts 17.11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And look at this. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. My father-in-law thought that was kind of neat that I give out outlines for every service. He didn't quite know why I do it, if I do it to keep people's attention with them. And in all reality, maybe half use them. Half, well, I don't even know who uses them and who doesn't. I don't keep track of that. But the reason why I give you an outline is so that you can take all those verses home with you and search the scriptures to see if it's right. Like, I challenge you. I told you earlier, you're taking my word that Jeremiah, what said about Jeremiah and those, pro- and those prophets from before, that he was, you're taking my word. You're taking my word from Isaiah that it was Israel. What if it was someone else and not Israel? You don't know. But if you were to actually go read those verses, you could see if what I said is actually true and search the scriptures. That's why you have them there. The problem is we just take everyone's word for it. One of the biggest problems we have today in the church 
is with our young people leaving the church is the fact that we've told our young people, and I was told this how I was raised, this is what you believe, just do it. Do it. This is what you do. Bible college, where I went, and I'm not talking against it or anything, but this is, this is what we, this is how you do it. Do this. Do this. Don't question me. Just do it. And we've lost a lot of young people because we've told them to do and not taught them why. And the problem is, in the 70s, in that time frame, a lot of pastors were very strong. And a lot of people in that day liked that strong leadership. I was talking to my father-in-law while he was here. And he was talking about some crazy things one of his pastors wanted them to do. And well, he's the man of God. We just did, it's like, that was the idea there. And that's not a wise way to live. Because, and just so you know, it's, it's not wise. You must get your beliefs from the Bible. I've pastored here 12 years now, 12 and a half. You can see it, the hair on the sides, aging, heartburn, pain in my shoulder, all that. Yeah. And some of you are like, be quiet. You're 37. I'm in my 80s. 90s appro- approaching 100. Don't tell me about having it tough at 37. Yeah. But I was one of those going through school, going through all that where it was, this is what you do. Just do it. In college, this is what you do. Do it. And for my first few years of pastoring, that was my ministry. I just preached what I always did. When you open this book, and this book is different than what you did, you must make a choice between this book or what you did. In all reality, and I'm not going to go into all the different things, if I look at my past, and not in good people, I'm not, there's no, not one bit of angst inside of me, no anger about any of it. I think that Many of them just got caught up in things that didn't matter. In all reality, if you didn't wear a suit to church, you weren't right with God. Okay, that's a thought. So show me in here where it says that. And that's where I still get some grief when I take that off. Oh, it feels so much better. It is so much better not wearing it. I just wear it Sunday mornings. That's the only time I wear it now. Wednesday, Wednesday nights, I, my shirt's not even tucked in. That's what the heartburn's from. The Lord's getting even with me. We were taught, and don't, this is where, I'm just talking about the world I come from, okay, for a minute, that's all. It's taught that if a woman didn't wear a kneeling skirt, you were not right with God. Now you say that's craziness. Well, I could show you book after book that says that where it says a woman adorn themselves in modest apparel, the word modest means a long flowing garment. And that's where they got the idea of a long dress was a long flowing garment. Interesting thing is, though, you can look in any old English dictionary. You can look in any Greek dictionary. 
lexicon, whatever you want, and nowhere does the word modest mean a long flowing garment. But I can show you all the books that I was taught that that's what it was. Why? Because the traditions of men had to line up with what they wanted to, so they took their traditions and made it fit. There's something wrong when you're making the Bible twist to fit what you want it to and to fit your narrative. There's something seriously wrong. Now, are those people, they're not bad people. But I will tell you this. The day I read in the Bible what it says and where we stand, we were talking about it the other day. I told her, we need to sit down and talk some things out. I said, some things are changing. I said behind this pulpit years ago, we'll never sing a new song. Never. We only sing old hymns. That's it. Old hymns and that's it. You remember that, Belinda? You remember that? I stand right over by the, and I, yeah, yeah. I played, I played, and you say, well, what, what? And so, and I will people say, well, you just, you just compromise. You're a compromiser, whatever. You don't even, the, some of the strongest people that say I'm a compromiser don't even know what they believe about anything, and that's fine. That's totally fine. If you study the Psalms, it's kind of hard not to sing new songs and to sing songs that worship God and lift him up. It's kind of hard. But if you want to do that, you do your thing. But this church is not going to be the typical independent fundamental Baptist church. It's not. And you know why? We're not tradition-led anymore. We're book-led. And I'll tell you this, have I gotten where I need to be on everything? No. Am I still a work in progress? Yes, and so are you. But we need to preach this book, live this book and let it guide us. Don't let someone's thoughts and opinions guide and lead you. Let this book lead you. It could change your life and for the better. And it's so it's just amazing what happens when you let this book lead you. And not men and what they think. And then you also find out who your true friends are. There are a lot of people that aren't my friend anymore because I don't follow their tradition. But I'm more faithful to this book than what I am their tradition. They can't handle that. There's something wrong if you're only friends with somebody because they do things the way you do them. We all do things differently. You probably tie your shoes differently. You comb your hair differently than me. We all do things differently. Let's just follow the book. Search the scriptures. Figure out what you believe and why. And then teach your children. You want your children to last in this thing? They need to know what they believe and why. That's why they should be here Wednesday nights. Let them learn doctrine with you. That's why Wednesday nights is a, the kids are in here too. My kids sit in here. They hear it. I want them to know why we believe what we do. It would have been nice in college if I sat in a class and they're like, this is why we believe this. It didn't happen. Now, and I'm not slamming them. I'm not. It's just, that's just the way it was. I wish I would have, in my youth group, I could have sat down and been like, this is why we do what we do. Never. But that's how we do it around here. And I don't make an apology for it. And we lift up what this book says. We major on the majors. And then the minor things, we let the Lord figure those things out. And some people, there's one verse that says this, and so I'm going to do it just. Okay. Let this book guide you. Let it be your guide. Father.